2: Hello, welcome along to the Kent Online podcast on Monday, March the 8th. It's back to school day for thousands of children across the county. And that's the main talking point of today's episode. We're going to be hearing from head teachers, a TV medic and some of you. Now, most children haven't been in class since the start of January when they reopened for a day after Christmas, then were closed again because of a spike in Covid cases. While primary school children will still be in bubbles and have to try to socially distance, there are more measures in place, this time for secondary schools. Students are having to do regular Covid tests and will also have to wear masks in lessons. Well, first up today, let's hear about primary schools in a bit more detail. Hayley King is the head of Tiger Primary in Maidstone, which has changed their school day to help children get their stamina for school back.
0: We we learnt a lot last year because with we, we, the things we put in place worked really well last year and we've used most of those again this year but one of the things we've really thought about is the children have, had lost their stamina for learning they'd lost their stamina for school so when they came back in September the first few weeks they were amazing they were so excited to see each other there was lots of happiness and know and they they just skipped into school and did what they wanted to do and loved it and then week three hit and all of a sudden there was like um they'd hit a brick wall and the tears started the tiredness started they started finding learning really difficult and we realized that actually we'd had a bit of a honeymoon period and the children's full stamina for school had gone so what we've done this this year this time is we've kind of allowed for that stamina to have to be built up more so we've changed our day slightly to incorporate additional breaks to we've slightly lengthened the lunch time so that they've got more time to kind of unwind we've even thought about things like asking parents to send additional snacks in with them because we all know when you're working at home, the fridge is not too far away. But when you're back in in work and certainly school, the children are perhaps going to feel hungrier. So we've thought about that aspect of that. We've bought in additional fruit and milk and various bits and pieces that we can be giving to the children. But we have asked for, um, you know, if they think the children are going to be hungry, to provide additional snacks. So it's kind of been more about their well-being that we've thought about and and developing that. Stamina for school and that stamina for learning and being able to manage a whole day in their uniform when they're used to being in their comfy clothes um, at a desk with others. When again they've been used to, I mean, we've had good engagement with online learning, but they've been really used to kind of doing that in their own home, perhaps on the comfort of their sofa, or you know, now they're in a classroom where they've got to learn to be with others again, which I think is is a challenge. We're we're faced with as well is that socialization and coping with having to share space and time with others.
1: How big of a challenge do you think this is to ensure that kids can catch up with what they've missed um, and reintegrating them, as you say, to back into a school setting and that type of feeling, um, being amongst their,
3: their friends, really?
0: I think it's it's a big challenge. I know there'll be lots of children because of the socialize- socialization rules that have not seen people other than perhaps their own carers or parents or their own siblings. And so, having to be in a space for lots of others, I think, is going to be a big challenge before we even think about how they catch up the learning that they've missed. I, I think, you know, communication is going to be a challenge for lots of people, not just children, but for children in particular, because we're not used to having conversations with people anymore. We're used to doing everything on a occasionally on a video link but via a phone or perhaps just only talking with the people in our own household and those communication skills are going to be really important for children so you know a language rich curriculum is essential that they need to be exposed to language they need to be exposed to those opportunities to talk to communicate to You know, reacquaint themselves with those verbal skills and communication skills.
2: We've also been along to St Paul's Primary in Swanley. The head teacher there is Charlotte Souls.
4: Staff have to um, do their lateral flow test on a Sunday and on a Wednesday, so we've got some sort of security to know that staff on site are um, negative. Children arriving at school, they are sanitised and they have to line up with their social distancing on our markers. Um, And if we notice any symptoms that might arise within school, then they're isolated into a room and their parents are called. So we're still trying to keep the hand washing and the sanitising throughout the day. But it is the case of we've got a whole class back in a classroom again. It's not the social distancing measures from previous lockdowns. So we've just got to be really rigorous with the hand washing and the cleanliness within the rooms.
1: Do you feel as though this, is the, this isn't the the first reopening that you guys had to do, even in 2021? Yeah. Is this, you think, the reopening that will stay open? And do you think that this is also the most prepared you've been for a reopening now that you've obviously had to do it more than once?
4: It's definitely the most prepared we've been. Um, I would love to say it's the last um, time that we're going to have to reopen because it's had such an impact on the children as well as the staff um and we can only do as much as we can as a school to keep it safe um and follow the government guidelines but if there's a rise with children mixing again then that's something that unfortunately schools can't change we we're limited to the space that we have we're limited to the classroom space we can't distance the children more than two metres because there's not the space around the school site. So we just really need to make sure that we are on top of our hygiene and making sure that children are aware that they can distance as much as possible
2: within the classrooms. That's where we also caught up with parents to see how they were finding the school drop-off.
5: It's got to the stage now where we know it's, it's the, for the benefit of the children getting back uh, and the sanity of the adults as well. Um, you know, relieved, but also you know, no concern, um, you yeah. know, I'm just, you know, happy that my youngest can actually get back and see her friends. Yep,
6: I think it's a really good thing that they've gone back to school because obviously from such a long time ago, you know, they've been losing motivation and it's really good. They need to get back into the classroom to see their friends, you know, the mental health aspect um, particularly. Um, Yeah, it's really good. And they've got four weeks of good learning before the Easter holidays and then they've got a nice, you know, block of more learning in in the term. I'm
5: just personally just relieved. Uh, I feel like uh, the kids, well, we feel like the kids have been stuck at home for so long and... um, It's just nice for them to just be out again and meet their friends and just socialise again and do, do things that kids really should do, so... Um, but also as parents, uh, it's, it's a bit of a, it's a welcome relief. Yeah.
2: Let's move on to secondary schools now because they've had to make the biggest changes in order to reopen today. Sports halls and various other facilities have been turned into COVID testing centres. The idea is that all students do about three tests in school and then regularly carry them out at home. Alan Brooks is the head at Falston Manor in Sittingbourne and also the chair of the Kent Association of Head Teachers.
5: I think there's a great sense of anticipation. Obviously heads are very keen to have all their students back as quickly as possible, but there is also a sense of nervousness. We, uh, we remember, I'm afraid all too well, what happened in November and December and the difficulties as the, the virus spread very quickly in schools. So although we are keen to have our students back, I think it'll be, uh, it'll be very tense over the next two or three weeks to see how this develops.
1: I suppose the effort in the room is that you can only make schools safe to a point, you know, you're never going to be able to get a school with zero cases. So you think ultimately testing can make schools only, only safe up to a point?
5: Uh, testing is, it comes into the every little helps category. I think it's, it's helpful. The tests themselves are not 100% accurate. They are voluntary. There are a significant minority of parents who have decided not to allow their children to take the test. So it's a little bit of a porous membrane, I'm afraid. It, It helps, it will identify some cases, it clearly won't identify all cases. I think all head teachers have some concern over the safety of their children. It is it goes with the job. Having said that, I think the DFE know this, and you might say to some extent they've taken advantage of it. You give head teachers something to do, they will get it done. And and all sorts of work has gone in over the recent weeks to make certain that they can do as good a job as they possibly can to get the testing sorted out, to revisit all of the safety measures. But there isn't a lot different in schools than there was when we closed in january it's possible to argue that perhaps the department for education could have installed air purifiers in classrooms there's a lot of research coming out saying that they are helpful so Very little has actually changed beyond some guidelines around mask wearing and the testing programme.
2: I've also been chatting to TV's Dr Ranch. He grew up in Medway so knows the county well and wanted to reassure parents that it was the right time to reopen schools. But I had to ask him the question that's probably in the back of all of our minds Will this lead to a third spike?
1: Yeah, it's a massive learning curve. And I think that having had these previous experiences, people will be a bit more used to it. But there's a couple of things I really want to make clear. Firstly, schools do not drive transmission. We know this from really good evidence. Um, And all the good evidence that we have suggests that schools reflect what is going on in your community. So if your community cases are going up, then your school cases go up. It doesn't go the other way around. That's what the evidence seems to suggest. And secondly, what we need to remember in the release of this lockdown, we are in a very different situation. And why is that? Well, the big reason is the vaccine. Over 20 million people have been vaccinated. We are seeing cases drop significantly week on week. We have never been in that situation before. Add on top of that all of the extra safety mechanisms that people are introducing now, I think we can remain relatively confident that we are doing everything that we can. Whether we will go into another surge is impossible to say. Whether we will go into another lockdown is impossible to say, but everybody is hoping and trying not to.
2: It seems we're at a really crucial stage now of of trying to move out of the restrictions that we've had how confident are you that there is a chink of light at the end of the tunnel and we're we're doing things the right way to get back yeah. to some kind of normality hopefully in the summer
1: yeah this is really hard to say and I know that the last year has been incredibly difficult for everyone um some more than others and everybody wants a bit of hope and if I'm able to give any hope is that I've never felt so confident at than I am now because of things like vaccination, because of things like increased testing, and because of the fact that we know so much more and we are changing our behaviour, just as a matter of course, I think that this is our best chance now to try and get things a bit more back to normal. There is a real hope at the end of this long, long COVID tunnel that we may have some degree of normality this summer as we're able to get outside where we know the risk of transmission is a lot lower Um, I'm just asking people to just to please hang on in there a bit longer. I know it's really, really hard. Keep following the guidance, even if you've been vaccinated, even if you've been tested. Please, please keep following the rules, because it's important that we drive cases down to as low as we possibly can.
2: Now, if your children went back to school today, we'd love to know how they got on and indeed how you felt. Have you actually missed homeschooling? Well, you can let us know by commenting on the daily question on our Facebook Latest figures, meantime, show the coronavirus infection rate is continuing to drop in every part of Kent. There were an average of 40 cases per 100,000 people in the week to last Tuesday and 47 in Medway. Sevenoaks now has the lowest rate in the county at 24 and Gravesham is highest with 69. The Kent Online Podcast with Serenity Parks. Some other top stories for you today and a man's been stabbed and another hit by a car during an attack in Headcorn. A victim in his 40s was flown to hospital with an arm wound and a second man was treated for minor injuries in Martins Gardens on Lennon Road on Saturday. A man who fractured his housemate's jaw and set fire to their Maidstone flat has been jailed for five years. Raymond Wood was already on a suspended prison sentence when he assaulted the man at the property in Square Hill Road in June 2018. In November the following year, the 26-year-old set Rizzler papers and clothes alight inside the property, causing £20,000 worth of damage. Now, it's not just changes to schools that come in today. Coronavirus rules are being eased inside care homes too. Residents are now allowed a single named visitor who can come inside and hold hands with them. They'll need to take a COVID test and wear personal protective equipment. But speaking when the changes were announced, Chair of the Medway-based National Care Association, Nadra Ahmed, said it'll mean a lot for workers too.
4: For our, our
6: staff to be able to see that coming back will actually signal some sort of normality. There will be anxiety. I, you know, I can't get away from that. We are going to feel anxious, fearful... All the time, the virus is still there.
2: A man's been rescued after getting stuck in mud on Sheppey just a week after a couple got into trouble in the same place. Police and firefighters were called to Warden Bay yesterday afternoon and the man was brought to safety. Police have been called to a protest in Hythe as work begins on a controversial new housing development. 150 homes, shops, a hotel, and leisure centre are being built on Prince's Parade near the beach. Residents aren't happy it's going ahead, though, and 50 people. People are said to have gathered there this morning as trees and vegetation started to be cleared. Kent
1: Online News.
2: Now today is International Women's Day and we've been speaking to some of the women in Kent who are helping to fight the effects of the coronavirus crisis. Claire goodwin fee from Greenhithe co-founded Frontline 19, which is a free counselling service for people like nurses, care home staff, police and paramedics. She says their support has been vital at such a difficult time. We have a voluntary
6: uh, organisation, it's non-profit, and we have a huge pool of volunteers that are all qualified therapists, so psychotherapists, psychologists, counsellors, and they are all volunteering a couple of hours a week to support people in frontline positions, so client-facing positions at the moment. So intensive care nurses, um, porters, care home staff, police, fire brigade, ambulance service, paramedics um, because they have been incredibly, incredibly affected by the pandemic not just in terms of workload but also the stress of working in, in very difficult conditions worrying about their own health you know, potentially at the start of the pandemic, we didn't know much about this virus and neither did they. And they were worried about passing it on to their loved ones and their friends and so on and so forth. Plus they're also managing bereavement, losing colleagues to COVID, losing family members, being having abuse chucked at them by certain sections of the public. So they're dealing with an awful lot, an awful lot of things. And so early on in the pandemic, um, it was Mother's Day, so it was the 22nd of um, March, I was sitting on my sofa and I I was talking to a friend on the phone and I said, I really worry about how kind of NHS staff are going to manage. And the reason I was thinking about this is because my own dad had been in intensive care in King's College in London in February 2018. And the intensive care staff there were brilliant. They were absolutely brilliant. And you know that their patients are not just patients they they're really rooting for you and it's kind of it's not just a job it's a vocation they, they you know they want to do their best they want to get people you know better and, and, and kind of get them back home and lucky for us even though my dad was incredibly sick he did come home and is, is, is home now which is good um, but it takes its toll so in normal circumstances I think they thrive on their jobs and they enjoy the things that they do in the pandemic they're having to work in like warlike conditions and so I knew they would be able to manage perhaps the medical side of things but the emotional side of things would be a problem and that's where the idea to kind of offer you know some kind of support to them. I was hoping I could probably help maybe 30 staff which really makes me laugh now because I think we've given away 50,000 counselling
2: sessions to date and we've helped over 5,000 people. And you can read more about Kent's inspirational women throughout the pandemic at kentonline.co.uk. Kent Police is getting a share of £30 million to help tackle serious crime. The government funding is being given to parts of the country worst affected by things like knife crime, murders, and other serious offences. We're being warned to expect strong winds in Kent later this week. The Met Office have issued a yellow alert from Wednesday night until Thursday afternoon. It's in force across England and could cause a travel disruption and even some power cuts. Now, the dates have been confirmed for this year's extended Folkestone Triennial. The art festival had to be cancelled last year because of the pandemic. Organisers say it'll run from the 22nd of July to the 2nd of November and will include more than 20 newly commissioned outdoor public artworks. And a mystery man from Rochester has won £2.8 million on the Euro Millions. After choosing to stay anonymous, Mr. W says he plans to buy a new home and treat his family with the money.
1: Kent Online Sports.
2: Football and it was a very good result for Gillingham at the weekend. They beat promotion chasing Ipswich Town 3-1 at Priestfield to move up to 11th in League One. Before the match, the players had revealed how they were looking for consistency and wanted back-to-back wins, which is exactly what they got after a midweek victory over MK Dons. We caught up with assistant manager Paul Rayner after the game on Saturday. We
3: didn't allow Ipswich to impose their game on us. You know, if they can impose their game on, on anybody in League One, you know, they're a real handful. The last three or four results that they've, they've had before Paul Cook came in have been absolutely as good as anybody in the division. So uh, you know we were we were weary of that, but uh, you know it was about us today. It was about the qualities that we we produced. The the three finishes you're quite right to say were were absolutely magnificent. The for Jack Tucker. You know he he should have got a a lead goal before now, but but you know what a what a great finish.
1: But Jack is young. You you work a lot with him, don't you? And he's had a. A few sort blips of this
3: season, but he's really coming into form now. Yeah, he's he's beginning to he's beginning to show the short the form that he showed last season. You know, there was a lot of interest, a lot of uh, people, you know, saying what a good young player he was, and it, it was difficult for him. He's had a lot of partners. We couldn't get that consistency into his game, but into the back fours game as well. So, uh, so as I say, he's um, he's responded to putting Robbie Kundi in there, who's who's no nonsense. You know, uh, we, we, what we like about Robbie Kundi is he's no nonsense. He heads it. He kicks it. You know he, he enjoys the physical battle, and, and and Jack Tucker seems to have responded to
2: that. We also chatted to defender Jack Tucker, who got one of the goals at the weekend, his first ever in the league.
3: Yeah, it was a, it was a great feel, I must say. Um, I've been waiting, and I wait, I've been waiting for that for a long time. My first league goal, obviously, I got the one against Spurs here in the uh, cup, but no, it's definitely more special to get a league goal. Um, and it was one of them that just just sort of popped to me, and I didn't really have time to think about it. I was, you just want to hit the target, hit it low and hard, and then. Obviously, they've all done the rest, so that was yeah, that was very pleasing.
2: Well, they haven't got too long to enjoy the result as they're back in action tomorrow night. They travel to Fleetwood Town. That's all for today. Thanks ever so much for downloading and listening. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the IM News app. That will give you access to all KM Group newspapers. Just head to subsaver.co.uk. News
1: you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.
2: This
0: podcast is sponsored by Kingsdown Meadow, located in beautiful Kent countryside. New homes available. Search Serenity Parks.